When the world has got you down Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here are your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and me, Don Priest. Hello, everybody. I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Don Priest, and this is Love Conquers Alls. Hello, Susan. Good morning, Donald. How are you? <laughs> I'm swell. It's Saturday morning. It's beautiful. It's about 73 degrees out. Uh, my Rams are in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to golf tomorrow. What could be better? <laughs> it all sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> it's heaven. And as we know, life is perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, like I just, yeah. The, you, football and golf, what could be better? <laughs> <laughs> Your two favorites. <laughs> what I meant to say is I'm going shopping tomorrow, and I'll be shopping oh. all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, okay. Better? Now we're happy. Yes, much better. Where are we going? <laughs> oh, anywhere you want. How's that? <laughs> See, who needs marriage? I have a best friend. This is great. (laughs) Oh, my God. My Siri just went on. What? Nobody. I hate my Siri. Wait, don't talk. Hold on. Wait, maybe she could be a guest. Who's Siri? No, it's it's an English film. Oh, my God. (laughs) I hate him. Don't say the word. I find it amazing. Okay, so see, we were just talking about technology and how perfect it is. It is, and it's not. (laughs) Okay, see. That thing is talking in my ears to me right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is awesome. I wish we could hear it. Yeah. I wish we could hear it. So hopefully that's going off through the entire show. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it be fabulous? I got to turn that off. So what else is happening besides that? Anything exciting? I don't know. Just, you know, before we dive into caregiving and. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, not. Not much. I'm just, you know, working, trying to get through, you know, maybe this pandemic will end, I don't know, tomorrow. I doubt it. Um, it's just a, it's just an ongoing struggle and just trying to remain positive And, you know, that's all we can do. How about on your side? Well, on my side, I have a little bit of it's been a it's been a, a weird time. My mother has been in the hospital for three weeks and, um, you know, it's 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 completely up in the air what is going to happen she it really ties into today's conversation based off of on our last episode actually with with um rick mountcastle the attorney general because we were talking about the you know the system the systemic issues the crisis of caregiving and the crisis in, in our country and how we have such a lack of attention and focus on the infrastructure of growing older as a society. And during the pandemic in in particular, my mother has been in assisted living. Obviously she's towards the, you know, she's very progressed in her Alzheimer's and yet living a very happy life in the stage that she's at. And we talked about the fact of how sad it is that even in the situation where my mom is in a very, uh, one of the best rated uh, homes, Jewish home, Across the country, like you know, their their uh, nurse to resident ratio is amazing. It's five to one, but with pan- with the pandemic, it's really put pressure on them. And every other day, we were getting fifteen people where staff had to go home, ten members staff had to go quarantine, and so you you wonder how are they taking care of the residents? Well, honestly, they're not. They can't. And my mother ended up in the hospital completely dehydrated with 10% kidney function. Um, pneumonia. Pneumonia. Went into pneumonia. Yeah. She, uh, she had an enormous bed sore. And, um, you know, so she ended up being intubated for two and a half weeks. She just got it out early in the week. And then now she's on a feeding tube. So, you know, and I'm not saying this to be depressing or, you know, trying to, to, I'm sharing this because it really plays into the topic that we're going to talk about with our guests today, because 
Rick Montcastle last on our last episode, he talked, he predicted this. He laid it out exactly what happened to my mom. And he said, the sad part is, is that a resident sitting in their urine for six hours is, is the norm. And that's not acceptable. It's just not acceptable. And we have to do something about it. And even, you know, whether you're on Medicare or Medicaid and, or you're paying out of your pocket, which we did for 15 years, you know, a lot of money, it's not acceptable because we wouldn't do that to children when they're growing up. We wouldn't do that with, you know, the regulations for, for childcare are stringent. So we need to, you know, do that. And that's why I'm excited about talking to our guest today. So, um, yes. Don, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, our guest today is Debbie Howard. And Debbie is an author, speaker, and founder of Aging Matters International and the caregivingjourney.com. Uh, she's a former caregiver on a mission to change the way we look at caregiving so the impacts are not so devastating. Uh, she's authored two books, The Caregiving Journey, Information, Guidance, Inspiration, and her second book, The Caregiving Crisis, What It Costs Your Business and How to Fix It. Debbie obviously has a plethora of information in this important arena, and we can't wait to find out more. So let's not wait. Let's say hello to Debbie Howard. Hello, Debbie. Hi there, Don. Debbie. Nice to see you, Hi, Susie. Debbie. Nice to see you, Don. Ah, uh, it's it's pleasure a pleasure to, to have you. Here. I mean, this this topic could not be any more, you know, potent for me right now and resonates so deeply, as I said in the introduction, because, you know, it 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 does this doesn't just affect me and I I I am an advocate for my mom. Imagine the people that don't have advocates, right? Absolutely. And, and this is a it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And I think um, what you're doing for your mom is is amazing, and so many people don't have uh, daughters or loved ones who can advocate for them, and it really is very, very important. It very much is. But so before we dive into all the hard stuff, you know, and uh, apologies up front for the, for this being such a uh, an intense uh, episode, but it, it's really a necessary episode. We really need to talk about it, and it's in the forefront in my mind because of my mother, and um, you know, it 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 it. it it's really powerful to put a face to the problem, and I am right now the face to it. And it's been, it is, I, it, this is probably the hardest time in my life, literally. And I've been through a lot of hard things. But when you, you know, especially during COVID, when you can't, you're not allowed to go into the hospitals, and you're really living in, in, you know, ho in hope at all times that 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 what you want to happen it will actually happen. So this is why it's so important. So, but first I just wanted to, the audience to, to know, like to know a little bit more about you and, and why you're such a, a lovely, brilliant human being and how, you know, I met you through our community and uh, you were hosting a fantastic room on, on Clubhouse, which is really a powerful room. And um, so tell us a little bit about how you got so passionate about um, caregiving and, and, uh, and the warrior that you are. Well, thank you so much, Susie. I, I, really, um, I really love the landscape of caregiving and all the wonderful people I've met, like yourselves. And um, it's just this whole new adventure for me. Um, it's not that new, but I'll, I'll give you the little backstory now. Um, my mother was diagnosed in 2007 with stage four lung cancer, and I was working in Tokyo, Japan at the time, running my market research consultancy. And I was, I'm the oldest of three daughters, so I was the only one with the wherewithal to actually go home and be her 24-7 caregiver in the end. We did okay for the first year with the chemo and everything, and um, you know, I, 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 it's hard for me to say this, but the chemo part was easy, and we all know that is not an easy part of anything, but actually it was easy compared to the last six months when she couldn't really take care of herself, and she really, it wasn't safe for her to be living alone. Um, I, I am a marketing person, right? So, you know, I work in a fast-paced ad agency type world, and I didn't know anything about oxygen tanks or how to manage healthcare workers or really anything, anything, not anything. And, um, and it was really hard. And um, I think 
aside from the medical things that are hard for caregivers like us, um, because we just don't come from that world, um, I think the emotional terrain is is extra difficult. Um, and, and I was touched by the tools that I did not have in my tool bag. Uh, I thought, you know, I was pretty highly evolved and I would be, <laughs> I would be able to be loving and caring. But, you know, things happen when you're caregiving that are devastating to you. And uh, I know I've seen in your film, Susie, how devastating it's been for you. And, and you know, it's, it's a little different when somebody's in there, they're cognitively uh, fine. It's, it's, I, I don't know, we, we, I don't want to be in the contest, first of all, <laughs> you know, is what I always right. say. We don't want to compare yeah. caregiving experiences. No, there's no contest. No, they're all, yeah. they're all hard. Right. But let's say, they're all hard. yeah, like I had a very um, forceful and opinionated mom as well. And she, like we were fighting from her deathbed, basically. You know, she was like telling me how to do the laundry and stuff from her deathbed. And I'm, I'm standing in the laundry room, you know, uh, you know, not wearing my beautiful Tokyo businesswoman high-end garb, right? And, and you know, right. the whole bit and wearing like, you know, tights and slippers and, you know, looking pretty schlumpy, doing the laundry, the dishes and everything else. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Jesus, you know, I, I just... I just can't wait to go back to my own house and just do a load of laundry by myself with the way I want right. to. And I, I used to put extra soap in there and, you know, I used to do like little, little <laughs> passive aggressive things, you know, because, because it's really hard. It's hard. And you, it is it, hard and you get sucker you, punched every, every five minutes. Just when you think you, you know, what's going to happen. Another, you get sucker punched you and do. you're like, whoa, what happened? How did that yeah, happen? And you're, where did that come from? Yeah, and you're constantly being put right? back into those childhood situations, and, and then you're trying to be an adult. And you're having to learn how to say no as well, I think, and draw your boundaries. Um, I had an experience once with my mom where uh, we had help in the house that morning, and, and I hadn't been able to go out and take a walk. So, you know, I wanted to take a couple of walks a week. It was really important to get out and see the trees yeah. and stretch my legs. And, and my mom said, I don't want you to go. And I, I, I had a fight with her, right? And, and the, the yeah. healthcare professional even told me, you shouldn't talk to your mom that way. And I won't tell you what I said to her. Okay. <laughs> okay. But uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. I said I, I basically pulled her aside and I said, "You haven't been around here for fifty-five years. You don't know what goes yeah. on here." So yeah, they don't know that dynamic yeah, right, right. or anything. Please yeah. don't say yeah. that to me ever again. You know. And any. Oh my God! Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I know I we've all gotten to that point. I mean, there was a point where I literally was going to. I my mom is tiny, right? I was going to pick her up and put her in her room. I was I. I had to stop. I was like, I, if you don't listen to me, I am picking you up and putting you in. I'm like, where's this coming yeah, from? Yeah. It's so funny. And you, you really have to dig deep to, to make it through in one piece. And so I, I was really touched by my experience and um, being a market researcher and a, <clears throat> and a writer, a business writer at the time. Now I think I'm a little wider than that, but I just felt compelled to write about my experience so that some other people who found themselves in this experience might be able to do it a little better and and be a little more prepared and we were pretty prepared in our, in my family but and we had a lot of resources i would say it was about as good as it gets but it almost yes. killed my sisters and i two the three strapping 50 year old something girls you know switching right. off and anyway we, you know, the, I just came out of that experience with a real desire to simply share my experience so that maybe a few other people could do it a little better. And then as I researched it, I saw how bad the problem was. I couldn't believe that, like I had never even heard the word caregiver in 2007 before I became one. And I, and I really didn't know the word until after my mom passed away. Oh, yeah. I used to think it was caretaker. Caretaker. I thought they it was a caretaker. caretaker. Yeah. But I, and I realized, and I was get, get corrected all the time by they, people say, no, it's caregiver. 
And I realized, oh, you're right. It is that that makes more sense. I mean, I the same thing to me. I didn't know what it was. Right, right. All. And then they call it they call yeah. it terror in the UK and in the in Australia do, and New yes. Zealand. So there are yes. some different terms, and actually, that's part of the problem. Is that even when I talk about it today, like a lot of people think I'm talking about professional caregivers as opposed to family caregivers. So we've got a lot of right. confusion in the in the landscape. And, and I think doing things like what we're doing helps um, clarify that confusion and, and get everybody straight on it. But I, I think another fear underneath for everyone is that you, you, you really, you really don't want to be one, right? You, you don't... <laughs> No, I don't want to be one again. No. I can tell no. you that. Um, I, no, 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 no. Lisa Givens says there's like nobody grows grows up saying I want to be a caregiver when I'm a when I'm a grown up. There's no caregiver Barbie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's a really hard topic. I've had. Um, I've had my girlfriends when we're out at really nice dinners, you know, eating at great, you know, starred restaurants in Tokyo, and I'll be going on and on about my topic because that's what I do. And, and they'll go, Debbie, Debbie, please, please stop talking about it. I can't take any more. And I, I just say to them, well, okay, fine, I won't do it tonight, but you, you need to look deep inside yourself and think about this because this is going to happen to you. And even if it's coming, if you stick it's your head coming. in the sand if you want to, it's okay. But you, if you, if you at least um, have some kind of emotional grasp that this is going to happen, then you might be able to take the yeah. next step and have those conversations with your family, loved ones, and and yeah. and at least start talking about what's going to happen. And and those are really yeah. difficult discussions to get to to get to happen. Um, were your friends that you had the dinner with, were they um, Americans or Asians or were, were they, were they Japanese or I'm, cu I'm curious in terms of culture. Well, one of the great things about Tokyo is that you get to hang out with people from all over the world because we all go there to, you know, seek fame and fortune or whatever you want to say. But um, I think that night it would have been a, a Brit, a New Zealander, um, and a Japanese person and myself. So it was pretty mixed. But they had, but none of them had been caregivers yet. And none of them had responsibilities yet. Their parents were, they were a little younger than myself. So they were, their parents were still in pretty good shape. Right. And they just were not willing to, to go there. Yeah, uh, because it's a very it's a very difficult topic. Well, it is, and it yeah. you know really it really uh, triggers a lot of different you know, uh, uh, not just undesirable you know thoughts about our own mortality, and people don't want to you know listen. It's not easy. It's not easy, and um, but it's necessary. And I I really think if if the conversation started like in schools, and you know from the time that we are taught from little kids that, that this is the cycle of life and this is okay, then, you know, we would be better people for it. I love that idea, Susie. And I think one of the interesting things that I see, for example, the difference between Japan and the U.S. is that in Japan, we have a far lower incidence of, of older people living in assisted living. So the, the cultural tradition in Asia would be to help your parents to age in the home. Right. And in Japan, um, traditionally, the parents leave everything to the oldest son, and the oldest son and his family rebuild the original house so that the older parents can live there as well. So you'll have like three generations living in one household. And we are actually turning back to that in this country in part because of economics, but um, but of course in Japan it's a little bit less than ten percent of households. It used to be much higher, like twenty, thirty percent, but now it's at about ten percent. But what that does, that multi generational living, is to expose the young kids, yeah. the grandkids, to the grandparents, and on a daily basis, so that they can see that yeah, there's some problems there, and maybe I can help, and it becomes more normalized. Oh yeah, um, it doesn't. We, it's not frightening. Yeah, it demystifies we, it, and it makes it normal. Absolutely, we saw that in as assisted livings. Life. Like the, some of the caregivers when my mom was um, at uh, when she was much more, you know, she was she was walking and talking and she was much more less dependent. A lot of the caregivers would bring their children 
and their children. And I mean like five-year-olds and six-year-olds. And they were just, it was like a day, at, you know, another day in life. They had no issue if, if Jack was screaming over there, you know, about something that, you know, where, where is this? And where's Jack, I'll get it for you. Here it is. You take it, you know? Yeah, and so they, they didn't yeah. care. It's normal. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, your best <laughs> skiers are kids who started at three years old. And why is it they've, they've been exposed to all the things that could happen to them they have no fear. You know, our fears come from the unknown. And if you've lived in the unknown for 40, 50, 60 years because you haven't had to deal with it, when it hits, it's it's magnified. And so, yeah. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah, my, my son-in-law, yeah. he went – first time when – before they, my, my daughter and he were married, he came to visit my mom at Sister Living. And um, he was approached by one of the residents and who was talking his ear off. And it was – you know, he was – he was in a, you know, a different state of mind. The resident was feeling a little lonely and he was talking to my son-in-law like, you know, really sad. I'm really lonely. And my son-in-law, not having any experience in this situation, excused himself and went outside and cried because it was so emotional for him. He couldn't, he didn't know how to compartmentalize what was happening and he had no tools to deal with it. It's a really big shock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, mm -hmm. he, as he I, got used a, to it, he, you know, he was great with it. He's he a was pro. always great with the residents. He's a pro. Yeah, it's fantastic. But you know, if if that started at three years old, <laughs> you know, uh, and I and and it he, became just yeah. part of our lives, you know, that would be so important. It would so. be fantastic. It would, and it would make every th aspect of life so much better. But you know. What I'm I'm excited to talk to you about is is well first of all your 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 book which really touches you know caregiving crisis that it's it is it is the the hot topic for me and what you know what can we do what what are you what drop us some wisdom here <laughs> drop us some wisdom <laughs> Debbie oh uh, well you you you're very kind, Susie. I mean, I, I think for me, what's what's really interesting about the caregiving crisis in our world is that it it didn't start with the pandemic. No, we uh, many of us know about it because of the pandemic. Thank goodness, it's one of the only good things about the pandemic. But it's been going on for thirty years or more. I, I can show you statistics, and you know, we can put reports and things in the in the show notes, whatever you would like to do. But honestly people at high level positions have been talking about this since at least 1990 and and i find that really sad and shocking in our world and i think we all know that other things get in front of there, there's all kinds of issues out there and other things jump to the head of the line but um, caring for older adults has been pushed back to the back of the line for a long time and i personally I'm pretty tired of it. I've been covering this and I say covering it. Um, I do have a journalism degree. <laughs> I've been covering this landscape since 2007 or eight, let's say, right in the thick of it in seven and eight, and then trying to rebuild my life from 2009 to 2015 from the devastation that occurred financially and everything else. I'm with you, sister. Not just because of the I'm caregiving. With you. I'm with you. Yeah. I was there right when, with you. When I, yeah. yeah. And when I came out of my caregiving um, situation with where my mom had just died, it was global financial meltdown. You'll remember that in 2008. I, it's when I was, when went my through my divorce, when my mom came and this was the, all, the start of my issues. Like my house turned upside down. Every, no, it was, yes. it was a, it was a complete avalanche of, of one bad thing after another. Yes. I'm with you. We, yes. Yep. Yep. And then for, for me, and I rebuilt my business. And then in 2011, we had the earthquake in Japan. And it wasn't just an earthquake. It was, it, if you'll remember, it was an earthquake, a tsunami, and a nuclear meltdown. I'm I, sorry, I digressed. But, um, you know, I, I, I saw how difficult the situation was for caregivers. And so while I was saving myself... <laughs> and thinking about all that I had gone through and grieving for my mom, I had this this idea in the back of my mind to to help caregivers, other people who would have to go through this situation. And so finally my book came out in 2018. So you see that's 10 years after 
my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And I, I had, I tried to make it a few years before that, but I just couldn't push it over the line. And of course, for her 10 year anniversary of her passing, that was a really important benchmark for me. So I did get that out and I was proud of that. But I think, um, one of the things that again is so shocking to me is this, this, this pretty, pretty much blatant lack of awareness about the problem and what we're going to do about it. It's always like, oh, well, that's a family problem. They'll take care of that themselves. Or mm-hmm. that's a government problem. They'll, they'll, the government will take care of that. You know, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening because the problem is so big and, and, and it's got so many facets that nobody, no one body puts, puts their hands around it and fixes it. Right. Which is so strange because it's the only thing that affects everybody. It's the only cause that affects everybody, you know, and not to, to downplay any of the other causes that are, that are, you know, cancer and Alzheimer's and, and all, you know, it's the only thing that affects all of humanity. And so for that right. to be pushed aside, is just, it's, it's inexplicable. Well, because we all, we all age, right? And, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we are, you know, we have a lot of science now that extends our lives, right? So we are able to live uh, significantly longer and then there, and which is, which is great, but then there's no, there's no, uh, emphasis on the quality of that extra time that we're buying, right? So, so we have a lot of people that are living into their nineties and even, you know, a hundred and, and, they they are able to to live, but they're not living, and so there's no and, and means that's, to, and to take care of them. <laughs> the means is yeah, and what's happening is, and I think, and you're going to be the expert on this because I am just you know I'm just a girl who I'm just a girl <laughs> who's, who's trying to figure out how to work this this system, but it, it feels I'm to just me, a girl in the world. That's right. I just feel that, you know, we're, we are going to be bankrupting all of our, you know, our uh, safety that we've set up, like, like our Medi-Cal and Medicaid's and, and um, Social Security, because how long can it last if there's not, you know, we need to be, we need to, to, to focus and, and really put some, some constructive, you know, re, redefining of the system you know, from from the some infrastructure is what we need to to support. Yes, and yeah, I believe that so much, Susie, and um, it's just not working, right? It hasn't been working for thirty something years, and the demands are really increasing now. Exactly for for the reason you said, we're living longer. Um, we're not necessarily living better because right. um, we don't have a prevention-minded society. And if we thought about preventing and being, like living that last 10 years super healthy, you know, is different than just simply living those last 10 years. Right. You know, that's... Like, let's define living. <laughs> right. Yes, let's let's define living. And, um, and, and I think uh, we are also seeing, for example... When you end up being a caregiver, and it's it's not all women, but it tends to it skews towards the female side. But let's just take the classic situation where you're forty nine year old female. You basically have to use some of your money to help your parent or your loved one. You end up perhaps giving up your job to be a full time caregiver. You lose benefits from social security and of course your salary that you're not getting anymore uh, and you're going into your own savings and this is all documented very 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 well Um, and so what we end up with is many many women at the oldest age old ages being pauperized because they they have used all their money and benefits and they don't have as much as they should have had because they had to drop out to be caregivers. And we also have, of course, many, many single women who fall into this, this bracket. Um, but it's just a big problem. It's a big problem that's future, future-minded. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And I know it's not a, listen, I'm, I am, a, I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm in the entertainment industry. There's nothing more, you know, uh, there couldn't be anything 
in, in the opposite direction than this conversation, you know, make believe let's, you know, everything is, is surface, surface, surface. And, you know, no people in LA spend their life, you know, trying to stay young and vital. Yes. And, you know, we can't do that only on the outside. We have to do it from the inside. And, you know, how many of our, you know, just even Valerie Harper from my movie, what a, what a warrior she was and, a, and a, a role model for this, such a role model, you know, and living, yes. living her best life till the day she left this life, you know, as, mm -hmm. as best as she mm -hmm. could. Right, Don? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, and then you look at the, you know, these are just, people with means have a difficult, difficult time with this. Most people don't. The vast majority That's of right. people, and as you say, this is not a just here in the United States. This is a global issue. And I would, you know, probably 90% of the people on this earth do not have the means to take care of somebody in their, in their, in their end years. It doesn't exist. So it's such a massive problem that we look at it and go, well, it's so big. How could we possibly solve it? How can we possibly solve it? Before you start, there was a, we have a, a guest that I met online who is a professional caregiver in Sweden. And, you know, this is a, a, a guy in, in his prime of his life. He has two daughters. He's such an amazing human being. But, you know, in, in Sweden, everyone seems to be well taken care of. And, and um, you know, we sort of cringe at, at any kind of... Um, well, but God know. forbid you say anything that might sound like socialism, you know, good yeah. God, we cannot have yeah. that. Yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> I, you can't I say that, it. I'm saying Don't it. Don't say it. No. Okay, <laughs> but, but I, I'm so interested in this idea of global best practice sharing. So I'm glad you brought up Sweden because um, Sweden and Denmark, uh, some of the, the Scandinavian countries have some fantastic programs. And it doesn't, you know, I know that the, the, the S word is not, you know, something we can say in America, but, you know, what we're doing doesn't work. So why wouldn't we look at this particular situation yes. and why would we have supports for care for children, for example, and not care for older adults? Exactly. I don't, uh, I don't get why, I don't get why it's okay to let elders sit in urine for hours. As you said, Susie, earlier, yeah. just really, is that okay? I don't think so. And I think if we are a society, a human-minded society, we must look at these different ways. And maybe we have a little bit of S- in this yes. area, yeah, I you mean, know, even in I, Britain, I don't, have, I don't. Yeah, they have national health care, right? So, and and there's yeah, and it's you know, it it really it helps the society. Okay, it does. It just does. I remember it does, you know, and it my helps ex the... is from Britain, and he, I remember him, you know, saying countless times, like like he, it's frightening when he used to come here when he wasn't a citizen because if God forbid he got in an accident or he got sick. He wouldn't be able to, to, you know, take care of what it like go into the hospital because he, he didn't have health insurance where you wouldn't have that fear in Britain is, you know, you have national, the national health care service and, and, um, and they take care of everybody. And that's part of society that, that that's, that's part of being civilized is to take care of everybody. And, and we also, we also have a, a, an immense devaluation for the elder as if they're worthless because they're, they're growing they're growing the opposite way. Children are going now, to be They'll be our gone future. soon anyway, so why bother? You know, it's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. But you don't know what what kind of contribution that that person in their last ten years might give because all of us are looking at our last ten years. We don't know. Nobody knows when they're going to pass. My father died in a plane crash. If you look at our last crash. ten minutes, we don't know. Yeah, yeah it's like... he was forty six <laughs> years old and he packed in a really big life. So you know, we don't know. And we don't know what someone at 95 might be inventing the next thing. You don't know. I mean, I just read Mel Brooks's book, and he is, at 95, the, one of the most entertaining, still the most entertaining, thoughtful, deep, <clears throat> you know, wise human beings. At, and uh, I don't think I could, I would, I would venture to say more so than a lot of, you know, vital 30-year-olds, so whatever. 
you know, or just affecting their their five year old grandchild, great grandchild, you know, yeah, that kind type of contribution. It doesn't have to be societal. It can just be True. you know personal. And, but that is societal. Uh, it's a ripple it, effect. Yeah. Well, it does. Yeah, it, it, it is the ripple effect. Whatever whoever you touch becomes a ripple effect. So. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I was really interested in what you said about Mel Brooks. Those are that's gems. Like you're not going to get that from a 40 year old or a 30 year old. And and I always say that you know as a writer in Hollywood, you know we're always all everyone's so afraid of aging out because you can you're afraid to say if you're 40 or 50 because you know the executives or the powers to be that that hold hold the uh, the power will say you know, they're too old, we need younger and younger. Well, I'm sorry, the more life you have, the more you have to contribute. And these are the gems that you get along the way. You can't, you're not born with those gems, you earn those gems. It's true. And and right. I'm chuckling at your term aging out. I hadn't heard that before. And I, you know, I'm 68, right? And I really, you look damn I good, lady. Really... This is a beautiful 68. <laughs> Thanks. Thank <laughs> right, Don? Look at that. Well, you know, Absolutely. Well, I and 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 there's nothing happening here Hollywoodish, right? As you can see. But anyway, um, I I you know, I I think we do have a lot to offer as we age. Everyone has something to offer, as you say, Susie. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think the different countries have things to offer in terms of looking at new ideas and ways of handling this this challenge in our society. Japan has a national healthcare system as well. Mm-hmm. And they have services, like once you qualify as a care receiver to meet those activities of daily living or not meet them, right? You can't dress yourself, you can't cook. Then the national health care system certifies you as being ready to and able to receive certain services. So you can get a bathing service to come into your house. They have a portable unfoldable bathtub they'll set up right in your living room. Wow. And, the, and the, there's one like a small slight aid and a big burly guy as burly as they come in Japan and and they'll he'll set up the tub and oh my and the, God. my the, mom would the be all over him do the bath <laughs> yeah yeah my mom would be, I hello <laughs> i need a bath oh, i that's, need a bath that's I so bath. i need a bath it's so funny <laughs> it's so funny and they have house cleaning services and cooking services and all kinds of things and I'm not saying that any country is perfect in this. None of them are. We the, All countries are having big challenges with this because the demands are so great. But I think it would be, I just would like to see our country look at the other countries and consider how we might be able to bring some of these things in. You're so we right. actually have, we have some of these things available to us, but they're actually hard to find and get like... There's something called the PACE program, P-A-C-E, through Medicare and Medicaid that I literally just heard about in November. And I had not known about that. I, it's different in every state, and this is one of the problems, right? Like you're a caregiver, you, 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 you have to become a researcher practically to find these things and then fight with the bureaucracy to, to get them. So there are issues. It should be easier. I, I have a big issue with us giving 800 numbers to caregivers. I'm like, come on. You know, give me a real person to talk to. Give a beleaguered caregiver a real human being to talk to yeah. about their problems and questions. Don't make me call an 800 number. And also, I think you're right about the states being regulated. Like, So there's a consistency, right? Because, you know, I, I had a real yeah. issue with, with uh, elder law, and I was trying to protect my mom's, you know, her estate. And every time I went into the courtroom, I had no standing, even though I was her her, you know, official conservator, conservator yeah. a person, but I, and so they, and the, and the judge kept saying understood, but you do not have standing. What does that mean? I don't have standing. And, 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 and it's, did you not? Wow. She wasn't conservator have, of state the to state. state. She was conservator of person. I see. So she was supposed but to the make job a decision, but she couldn't control the, the money. <laughs> 
it's it's insane. So I, I needed to get an accounting, and I couldn't get a, an accounting. And then I was like, I, I, I just want to have you know a, a, an outside professional fiduciary take over the estate so that it's everything is open to to everybody. And, you know, I didn't want to take makes it. That sense. Yeah, and but but you know, it, it was a fight, and and I ended up having to just cut my losses and deal with you know with whatever I was given and just make the best of it, you know, but, but that, that's another issue because, you know, speaking to elder law experts, it is a, a problem because it's state to state different. So, so, um, why, why is it? That's stupid. You know, it, it is, it is. And I, I just wrote that. I wrote that on my list, Susie, because I think, you know, standardizing some of the ways that these things are handled from state to state would be a big contribution. Sure. And having special circumstances for Alzheimer's and dementia patients, such as in your case, that's a real, that's a really important thing. That's a really important thing. It brings thing. up, yeah, it brings up a lot of things. Like my mother's uh, living trust was created while she had Alzheimer's from my sibling. Well, she didn't, she wasn't really aware what was going on. She had a, she had her own will. She didn't want to have a living trust. Right. So, and I know that when she was lucid, cause she would say, where's my money? And I'd say, well, it's in a living. What? When did that happen? I said, when you signed that paper. Yeah, no, it's very, these, these are really, really troubling situations. And I think it gets back to probably the most important thing that any of us can do is to have a plan. And it doesn't have to be, you know, your plan's going to change. Whatever plan you make to now, yeah. it's going to change. But for example, in my mom's case, when she was 65 and, and I was 45, she forced my sisters and I to have the conversation with her about her will, who got what, she had stickies on the bottom of all the furniture so that we all wouldn't fight. That's unusual. It, it, That's we, really unusual. Too. It is. Because unusual. they don't want to well, talk my mother about was, it. They usually don't want that. My yeah. mother. It, it's so true, Don. And usually, you know, we did not want to talk about mm -hmm. it. Okay. Like, but my mother had just seen her father die. Right. Okay. And she was in the midst of caring for her own mom, who she had had to put in a home because she had some dementia. And it was just a heartbreaking situation. And so my mom was driven by her own personal experience to get her affairs in order. Right. And it was fantastic for her daughters uh, because we, we all knew and we had talked about it 10 years before she actually got cancer. Yeah. And that was amazing. Now, there were, a, there were just a few things that we didn't cover off when we were talking and planning and and those are my, I, I, I don't want to use the word regrets, but I will, you know, if I had to name a few things, you know, that I wish I had done differently, for example, um, one of them would have been to have uh, th that take that discussion and go even further to what happens when you're bedridden and I cannot handle all your needs, right? Because that happened to us. Right. And, and we, and we, my mom wanted to die at home. We were under strict orders that if she, uh, if she had a problem, we were not to call 911. Now, and I'm going to tell you another funny story because it is funny to me. And, and things, I think we, we, we all need to be gentle with ourselves and, and look, look for the, the good and the humor in the Absolutely. situations as well. Um, and we always did that in our family anyway. But my mother and I had a discussion. And, and once someone is, is sick and knocking at death's door, is not a good time to be having these conversations. <laughs> okay, that's why, yeah. that's why I say just do it now. When right. Even if it's hard, it's going to be hard. Right. But do it now. It's going to be harder later. So my mother, she would have coughing attacks because she had cancer, right. lung cancer. And I would say... I, I said, Mom, you know, this is scary, right? Like, I, what if you have a coughing attack? You fall on the floor, and, and I think you're going to die. You don't want me to call 911 in that situation? She goes, no, absolutely not, because then I'll get stuck in the hospital, and I don't want to die in the hospital. And I said, but you know that if I have to do that, it's going to screw me up for the rest of my life, right? You know that. She goes, yes, I know that. <laughs> 
And, uh, I, you know, I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, and I'm so thankful that it didn't happen, oh, guys, because yeah. it, it could have happened. It yeah, could have. Like, and wait, it's, it's, funny. <laughs> it's something they could literally just... come and just save and, and, re- and fix her up there and put her back into bed. Exactly. And you're like, no, exactly. I'm going to let you die here. No, they don't like, do yeah. that. No, they it's don't crazy. Do that because it's crazy. Yeah. Legally, they have to take them to the hospital. Yeah. My mother, we just had that conversation with another colleague of ours last night. I said... You know, because my my mother being in the hospital now, and my mom used to say to me when we'd go to visit people, she'd go, Susie, mm -mm, not me, Mm -mm," you know. And so, because, you know, she didn't want to end up like that. And I said, I I hear you, mom. No one does. But then, you know, like, as she, as her, you know, Alzheimer's progressed, and I'd go to see her and I'd say, hi, mom, how you doing? And she'd go, I'm great. I'm alive. And you realize that as she's going... Life is good, right? So as, you know, she no longer had that bravado of like, not me, you know? And so, you know, as much, like you said, you make plans, but plans change, right? They do, they do. But, and having a plan to begin with is, is, gives you much better flexibility when you do have to change it. Yeah. So uh, if there's any one thing I would want everyone on the planet to do is have these conversations with your family. I reckon it's about 5% of our families on the planet who have had these like proper heartfelt discussions thinking through all the way to the end because it's hard to talk about and people don't want to talk about it, either the parents or the kids. So, uh, Planning is the big, big, big banana, I think. Well, if I, listen, everybody, I am the one that hates talking about it. I hate it, like, more than life itself. Like, my my mom and I would go, no, 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 because we didn't want to hear about it. We were just like, you're not dying and I'm not dying. That's it. Done. We're just not going to do it. We refuse, you know, and so this is my lot in life to embrace it. That's why I'm in this community and, and I'm learning to be a big girl and embrace it and help others that are scaredy cats like me embrace it because it's super important. And if you love someone as much as I love my mom, you have to, you have to embrace it and you have to yes. embrace it with grace. Yes. You know, and, yes. and humor it, 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 and laughter. And if you like a little yes. wine, have some wine. You know, you know, yeah. I like to get my dance on. That's my wine. But, you know, all right. So before we're, we could talk all day, honestly, I see this. This, this, is, this is. I know. I know we could. But yeah. I want to just get to your book about caregiving crisis because you're talking about a corporate situation, which I think is where we really need to uh, make some substantial changes corporate and state government and things like that, and which is why we're going to, you know, create some kind of coalition so that we can make some some really big movements. But you talk about companies that, that are, they're, they're losing billions of dollars annually. How? How does, how do, what, what is happening there? Well, there's a real slow leak of money uh, from every company because caregiving for older adults affects 30% of every company's workforce. And people don't know this. It was 20% before the pandemic, but of course now it's 30%. And again, I'm, I'm drawing the line between caring for older adults and, and let's say young kids at home, or even, even I'll include the sandwich givers in that statistic. Okay. The statistics are a little muddy, uh, but, but we know 30% of every workforce is caring for older loved ones. That's huge. It's huge. And you can imagine the impact when it comes to absenteeism, uh, to productivity with people having to go take care of things on an emergency basis, and also with future health care costs. So when you are a beleaguered caregiver and you are physically challenged and emotionally challenged and even financially challenged, that affects you in the future. So the, the company's health care costs go up as well. So you're not only looking at the time when they're a caregiver, when productivity can be hampered, um, but also you have about a third of all caregivers literally leaving their jobs. So retention is is a problem or turnover, the cost of turnover. So it costs um, twice as much as someone's annual uh, salary to replace them. So, and, and you have the loss of institutional knowledge and there, there are other intangibles, but there are actual costs related to caregiving that companies are um, 
spending to the tune of $68 billion a year right now. And that's going to more than double in the next 20 years. And again, these are slow leaks of money. They're not, uh, they're not monitored very well. Uh, companies don't have good benchmarks in it because they're just sort of absorbing it. Mm -hmm. But what I'm advocating in my book is to get your head around what this is costing you as a company uh, get your head around how this is impacting 30% of your workforce, which I think is significant, yeah. and, um, and do something about it. And there are some really easy and low-cost ways to fix this problem in a company. And I'm just going to mention, a, like one obvious one is like this. Look at what you're offering all your other employees and see if you can't add a caregiver component to it. So you're offering stress management, let's say, or financial planning. Um, add, add a component or two, a module or two mm -hmm. that addresses the needs of caregivers. So that's the first easy, cheap thing every company can do. And I don't see why anybody wouldn't do that right. for 30% of their workforce. And by the way, um, this caregiver issue cuts across all ethnicities. It's, it is a DEI issue as well. I'm saying that caregivers of older adults are a special segment of your workforce. Yeah. And let's carve them out and address their needs because they cut across the whole thing. We know that there are younger too. caregivers. I was just going to say that. Yeah, generationally. Generationally now. Absolutely. Of the, of, of the 53 million caregivers in America, a quarter of them are millennial aged. Yep. That's astounding, right? We never knew that before. And that happened before the pandemic, by the way. So it's even, it's even greater now. For sure. But we have more men. We have more male caregivers, more younger caregivers. And the reason is because there's not enough people to help our aging population. Right, so right. everyone is having to pitch in. Well, because our aging population is as, yeah, is, our aging population is as big as it's ever been. And it's only going to get bigger. So that's right. Yeah, we are we are at the you know, we're we're heading into an area that this is going to get, you know, like you say, down the line, this is going to just be exponentially more of a problem unless we totally. do something about it. it really now. Is. Totally. I mean, it, 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 like this, it feels like the apocalypse. Like if we don't take care of it now, like we'll have we'll have older people on the streets living like, you know, not. No, it's going to it's really it's, it's a tragic thing to even think about. Well, if you're talking about, I'm looking at your notes, $68 billion annually in caregiver-related costs that aren't really constructive, they're, it's, they're a reaction and not coming from a plan. So these are reactionary. They're just the bleed. Exactly. Yeah, they're just the bleed from the results. So why of the can't caregivers? we take that sixty-eight billion dollars yeah. that's being bled out and and use it as a prevention and a plan? You know, to like you give, uh, you, you know, there's there's um, there's uh, there's maternal leaves, there, there's maternity leaves that people get paid for. Why aren't we getting paid for caregiving leave? Why? Why not? Exactly, Why not? exactly. And that would be another example, Susie, of of easy to fix programs, easy to expand programs. You've already got it. Just expand it. Expand the coverage. Right. And that's fair. That would be fair. Um, it wouldn't be fair to only help people with young kids exactly. in your company. And also, what is it's, that? It, what it's, is that? It's what you're presenting. <laughs> at least what you're presenting is that it's actually, you know, um, it's 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 uh, economically sound for the company. It makes sense in a business level for them to to probably cut that loss, maybe even in half. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not an, an accountant, you know, but an economic at all. I don't know economics, but I'm looking at it and just on my intuition and looking at the number thinking, well, $34 million billion, if they cut that in half and, uh, you know, that what, where's that extra $34 billion going? So, you know, we could be, that, that would go a very long way. That would go a very long it way. It would, it would. And, and, and if you just think about retention alone, and, and we know about the problem with turnover and retention because of the great resignation and everything. And if we can stop that first in a company, 
that's going to help the company overall. And one of the problems is companies aren't, they don't, they don't benchmark, nobody's counting anything. So we don't know. We, we know some things and, and thanks, thank goodness to Harvard Business Review for putting out a report called the Caring Company, where they did, they did come up with a figure for this. So we, we know certain things and we'll know more over the, over the future. Um, I get my clients to, first of all, get some KPIs in place key performance indicators so they can start benchmarking what it is actually costing their company in terms of, again, productivity, absenteeism, uh, future healthcare costs, re- re- uh, turnover. And then we can look at that next year, right? We can see if it's better. And then, Susie, we can start to understand what that number means. So I think it's, it's, it's happening now, thank goodness. And um, we just have to keep pushing at it. How do we but do that? I think How do we companies... push at that? What do you what do you recommend? Like what do you think? Well well I I think there are many people like us out there who are caregivers who are actually speaking up, sharing our stories, talking about solutions. I think that's a given. I think anything we can do in the area of film as you have done and wider consumed entertainment, if you will, to show these, these instances, for example, of, of older people giving back until they die. And uh, the, good, the good side, I wrote down where we were talking to them, like the aging heroes type thing. You know, who, who, are, who are some examples of heroes as they age? You know, who, can, who, who show everyone else how this is true? Uh, and then companies, it's not just the money um, that they save, it's the goodwill that they create with their employees for doing the right thing, actually. And, 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 and lots of companies are, are trying very hard now to do the right thing. And I just want to make sure that, that, you know, older caregivers are in the queue for discussion. Right, right. I, I don't right. want that off the table. So I think we just keep talking, keep talking, talk as wide as we can, talk to more than just the usual suspects, right. spread the message out as wide as possible. Um, and, and, you know, be, I hate to use this, but be the change, you know, be it, just be it. I think when it comes to businesses, and if you, you know, I work for a small business where this may not so far, you know, in the time I've been here with this company, which has been a long time, this has not been an issue per se. But you can, you know, just like you did with eventually having companies, you provide health care because, you know why? It makes sense for the company too, not only for the employee. And I think you have to show that even though this costs something, in the long run, it makes sense for the company financially. Because yeah. in the long run, it's all about the bot. The bot. It's about the dollar. In the long mm-hmm. run, it's all about the dollar. And if you can it show it, if you can is. get larger companies to maybe, you know, if you have something like Apple or, you know, some of the huge companies saying this is now a program we're doing. And we, sh- we find that even though it costs us in the long run, it saves us. It's, you it's, need those yeah, types of fiscal, companies yeah. to set the standard and then everyone go, oh, OK, that makes sense. But we're not it's not even right. in a discussion right now as far as, you know, I mean, it's a, it's obviously in discussion, but not on a on a wide enough level. And I think that's what we need to do. You need to show that, yes, it will cost you, but it's but it's going to save you in the long run. I mean, th- I right. was just talking and- to a colleague who said there was a there's a bill that's been in Congress, you know, to 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 touch one or two of these, you know, issues that we're talking about. And it's and, I, you know, I want to say 80 percent have have signed off on it and it's been sitting there since last senators. April. Yeah. 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 It's been sitting there. I know. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm incensed about that, Susie. Yeah. And not, not only that, but in that bill, the first draft of that bill completely left out older adult care completely. It was all about helping um, carers of younger children. Oh, I didn't know that. And, and, and not even dis, not even, uh, disability challenge children okay. not even disabled ch- so so just younger children because that was a big thing in the early days of the pandemic with the kids at home and everything and and absolutely that was a big problem uh, no one will say it wasn't a problem what that was a, a problem what a slap in the but face, why though. would we what 
What a slap in the face why, for everybody else. We, yeah. But I know I mean, that. I uh, don't get it. I know that in like Build Back Better, the you know Biden's program, elder care is part of that. It's not just. It, it is, is, but it's really small. It's not, a, it's it's not small big enough. I mean, it's a step, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not I mean, a solution. Good, I've said this yes. before, but, you know, the, the healthy residents, the very healthy residents where my mom is at during the pandemic, the one, the people that became my friends that were in their 90s and very vibrant people have passed away because they were isolated and there was no. Yes, we talked about. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, that's huge. It's huge. And the fact that, you know, you just because you, you know, you're now, so you're isolating them so that they don't die from a disease. So they die from isolation. Yes. What, yeah. And that's a the, real What problem. is going on? Like how, how, who's not looking at that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. We, we just have, and, and I think this is in fairness, this is, so, it's, it's like that you know, how do you eat an elephant thing? You know, like it's so big and it's so like, you can't even see the front of the elephant from the back, right? You can't, you can't see the whole problem. So you can't, uh, it's difficult to address and it's difficult for one agency to address. There's a lot of action going on, but I think we just, uh, I'm hoping here's my big hope. My hope is that the pandemic has shown us the way forward in terms of looking at this problem in a little bit more holistic way, because it, 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 it has forced us to see it, uh, in new and different ways. So, you know, fingers are crossed, fingers are crossed, you know, that, um, all of this talking and, and work that we're doing and you get a few examples, like we just need a few big companies to stand up and, and, and show, yeah, this is what we're doing because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we need it. Uh, I want to see it as a metric on the best workplaces to work, for example. That's awesome. And we, awesome. yeah, we know that millennials already are asking about that benefit, mm-hmm. right. a caregiving benefit now. So we're, we're st- I didn't know it's, that. That's surprising. Cause I, I was thinking that the millennials, you know, since it was so difficult to get them to vote that they, you know, that they have been, there's, I thought they were the silent generation in a way. So that's interesting to hear. Well, you know, I think what's interesting about them, and this is this is a, just a really, a little bit of a sidebar, but not much, but like I originally thought my target was people like me who were just about to be caregivers. But actually because, for example, there was a whole generation of women who had kids at a later age. Yeah. The millennials are now facing caregiving challenges. And what I find about the millennials is they're actually more open-minded to have this conversation because they're more real. They, they, the baby boomers are like, I'm not getting old. I'm not getting no, old. Exactly. I'm not. You know, they're more scared <laughs> of it. Like, and I can say that because I am one, but you know, I'm not, I'm not getting old. It's not going to happen to me. But the millennials are more realistic somehow. They seem to be to me right, when right. I listen to they what look at they their parents and go, and the, oh God. <laughs> well, and there's been some fantastic work. There's yeah. been some really fantastic work. There was a PBS documentary called Fast Forward that dressed up the millennial kids. They paired the, the kids and the parents. They dressed the millennial kids in this aging suit that MIT has. And it, 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 it weights you down and doesn't allow you to, it, it, it emulates being old. Wow. So they created empathy and it was fantastic. And these are, these are wonderful. Oh man, uh, we should put that in school. That should be in every school. Why isn't that in be. every school? So it, we need to create empathy. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I love that. And one daughter had, they had, she and her mom had the plan that the daughter was going to, the mom was going to live in a, uh, like an RV on her property as she aged. So they did an experiment where she actually came and lived there and the mom couldn't even hardly move around the thing. And it, it proved to be impractical. Mm-hmm. The, the idea and the plan was not working. Right. And you could see them, you could see them learning this together and you could see the compassion that they both gained for each other. And, um, and they, they were able to come up with another plan instead of that one, because that one wasn't going to work, but it was, it was a really good documentary. You, you, you'll want to check that out. It's fun. It's called fast forward. Put it in the notes. So I have one last thing to say. So I just want to say this, Mark Cuban, who's like, who just did this whole generic drug, uh, uh, 
company, and um, it's fantastic. And I think we need to get him on our side. Go, Debbie. He's go. from Texas, isn't he? <laughs> yes. Isn't he yes. from Texas? Okay. Yeah, he owns the. He, I'm he on owns it. The Let me see. He's, you know, yeah. Yeah. Go, Debbie. Go. Get him. Get him. <laughs> he's this the is shark right tank up his guy. alley. Yeah. He said he's yep. made. He doesn't need okay. to make any more money. He just wants to make change, and that's you know yeah. that's what we need. And so we got we got we got some chores for him. You know, I, I think yeah. that we should look at you know at the at the positive. Hopefully, there's a positive to it. At one time. Companies did not offer health insurance. Companies did not offer maternity leave. Companies did not offer paternity leave. And it took time and it took effort. And it took effort by people from people like you, Debbie, and hopefully us, um, to, to make these changes. And we can't expect them to happen overnight, but I know basically all you have to do to show people how does it benefit you, you know? And it's going to benefit everybody. So I think there is hope out there. Uh, but now's the time to make it happen. Absolutely. I, I couldn't couldn't have said it better. And I love what you said about there were days when we didn't have health insurance or maternity leave, <laughs> maternity leave. And and I am really, really hopeful, actually, of of making this happen. And there are many, many people working on it again. And if we all just keep, you know, keep pushing, you know, there's an army out there of us. Yeah, yeah. it's Absolutely. cool to grow old. Because the alternative sucks. <laughs> In fact, we could just we could, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> these companies that have like childcare where you can bring your kid and they have child. We'll just make that for elderly too. We could just bring yeah, your, yeah. bring your mom, yeah, bring, bring your yeah. mom to work. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. You could have elder care, and they could really be hooked to the same because that would promote generational yeah. uh, interaction. Oh, for sure, absolutely. it would be fantastic. For you know, sure. that could be an expansion of what they're Somebody's already gonna doing. Somebody's going to do it. I, Somebody's going to do yep. it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm all for these easy, cheap solutions, right? I, I don't think, I think the problem is big, but the solutions are, you know, let's just get our hands dirty and get going, you know? I think and, we got we to gotta change the word old to something really cool and hip. Did you have anything else you wanted to say, Debbie, before we wrap up here today? No, I just, I just really appreciate your time and, and your uh, invitation to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, yeah, let's, let's, let's get out there and make some things happen. I know we can do it. Hell Thanks. yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And, um, you know, all this effort comes from, it really does come from a good place. I know that everybody that I meet in this community is so heart centered. And honestly, like I, I'm, I'm blown away by the, uh, the compassion and the passion that comes from this community. It's really it's it's really just fills you with so much hope, like you said, and um, and it's very aspirational for me. I'm a heart centered person myself, and so it's lovely to be around other people that are mushy gushy like me. And but we still get shit done, right? Absolutely, and so, um, absolutely. And that's why, yeah, and that's why we call this show what it is. And and what do we always say, Don? Well, what we always say, and it is so true, that is love is powerful. Love is contagious and love conquers alls. And we're so happy you joined us today and we can't wait to see you next time. And thank you, Debbie. It was wonderful having you. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, everyone listening. Um, look at the show notes. In, you know, write if you look have any questions books. and for her books. And also, please subscribe and share to other people you think might benefit from the show. We love you and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>